I invite you to remain standing for our scripture reading. We'll read from the book of Acts, chapter 1, verses 8 through 11. Let's read together. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. When he had said this, as they were watching, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. While he was going, and they were gazing up toward heaven, suddenly two men in white robes stood by them. They said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking up toward heaven? This Jesus, who has been taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. You may be seated. Well, good morning. My name is Brandon Blackson. I'm one of the associate pastors here, and it's so good to be with you. I'm excited to, to be with you and to share this message and really to start this new sermon series. We're starting a new series today that's called What Got You Here Won't Get You There. What got you here won't get you there. And we're um, looking at those situations that we all face whenever what we encounter is something totally different than what we expected, something totally different than what has come before. And we encounter these in all kinds of places in our lives, in our family life, in our work life, and um, in our church life. And so we're going to look at those situations because we all come into these places where what we face looks totally different than, than what we've encountered before and, and what we've prepared for. And so we're going to talk about that so we can learn how to, how to um, cross into those new territories well. And so we're looking, and uh, I invite you to take out your sermon notes. If you'd like to take notes, you can uh, follow along there. Those are in your bulletin on the insert. But we're going to look at the, at the story of Lewis and Clark, uh, Meriwether Lewis and William Clark. In 1804, Lewis and Clark set out to explore the lands of the Louisiana Purchase and find a water route to the Pacific Ocean. So President Thomas Jefferson had gotten this really good real estate deal. He bought uh, well, the whole, our whole part of the United States. Louisiana used to be a lot bigger than it is now. And, uh, and they had all of this land that had not been explored by, um, by people of European descent. And so they sent them out. And one of the primary things that they were focused on was trying to find a water route that would connect the, the Mississippi River to the Pacific Ocean. Because if they could find that, then they would be able to control trade across the entire continent. It um, would be, um, lead them toward um, tremendous prosperity and, uh, and growth for the young United States at that time. And so they set out to do that, and, um, and Meriwether Lewis was a river navigator. He was someone who was trained in, in navigating rivers. He um, had canoes, and so um, they were preparing themselves to go and uh, to find this water route. You can see um, part, of the, um, part of the path that they took, and so they uh, were going up from St. Louis. They are going up the Missouri River and uh, uh, heading toward the Rocky Mountains, the Continental Divide, and, um, and whenever they got there, what they had expected was they would cross the Continental Divide, and then it would be mostly downhill after that, and they would find a river. Um, they called it the Columbia River that doesn't actually, I mean, sure, sure there's a Columbia River somewhere, right? But they'd already named it, which um, seems presumptuous. Maybe that's what you do if you're an explorer. I mean, there's a little bit of presumption in exploring in the first place. But they, they decided they were going to find this river, and then they just take it to the Pacific Ocean, and they just get in their canoes and row their way down and let the current take them and and it would be easy but that's not what they found so they were standing they crossed this ridge at the Lemhi Pass and looked over and 
what they saw was not what they expected. This is what, um, what Lewis said in his journal. He said, we proceeded to the top of the dividing ridge from which I discovered immense ranges of high mountains still to the west of us with their tops partially covered with snow. And so instead of finding a river gently sloping toward the Pacific Ocean, they found the Rocky Mountains. They had canoes and they thought they were going to row their way and they saw mountains. Can you imagine expecting to see a nice gentle slope and, uh, and, and a river that you could just canoe down and seeing that, seeing the Rocky Mountains, like what are you going to do with a canoe there? I mean, it would be nice down one mountain and then what are you going to do? Has anyone ever tried to canoe up a mountain? Like I can imagine how that would go probably not very well. And, and so they had everything that they had planned for, everything that they had counted on was out the window. I mean, you had a river navigator, and there was no river to navigate. There were, there were mountains that were going to have to be traversed. And so they had to totally change what they were doing. They had to totally change their plans. And, and even their mission to find a water route went out the window because it didn't exist. And, and so they had to totally change it. And so whenever you're in that situation, what do you do when you have to cross the Rocky Mountains and you're carrying a canoe? In your life, whenever you're facing a situation that's totally unlike what you've prepared for, what do you do? What do you do? Well, you start by dropping the canoe or maybe selling it if you can and getting something else. But what do we do whenever we're in those situations? Because at some point we all realize that what got us here will not get us where we need to go. We realize that what got us to the point where we are in our life is not going to take us forward. Maybe you've encountered that at work before, that um, you know, you, your company knows what it does and it does it well and suddenly the market changes. And many companies experience this as, as the internet has changed everything, but, but suddenly the thing that, that created your security is now a liability. Or maybe the skill set that you've relied on is no longer necessary because, because technology's changed. And you have to figure out some other way of providing for yourself and your family. What do you do in those situations whenever the terrain totally changes underneath you? Or what do you do in, in your family life? Um, I think parenting in some ways is going from one unknown situation to another. I mean, you can't parent the same way that a, a three-year-old as you do an adolescent. Now, granted, no one's figured out the right way to parent an adolescent, but we have to change our strategies because timeout doesn't work for a teenager. It, it really doesn't work for my four-year-old either, but we try it anyway. But we come to different places in our lives, and, and we have to figure these things out. When our situation changes, we have to figure out a new way to navigate our way through life. This is how Todd Bolsinger um, described it. He said, the world in front of you is nothing like the world behind you. The world in front of you is nothing like the world behind you. And that happens to every single one of us. And it's so important that we figure out how to navigate this because if we're ever going to go anyplace new, we have to be able to navigate those transitions to figure out how do I go somewhere that I've never been? How do I do something that I've never done? How do I accomplish something that I was not prepared to accomplish? Because if we don't, we'll miss out in our individual lives and in our work life. And even as a church, if we don't figure out how to do that, we will not be able to go the places that God has called us to go. We'll never experience the thing that God wants us to experience and there are people who need us, whom Jesus is counting on us to serve, that we won't be able to serve. So it's absolutely crucial that we figure this out, that we figure out how to get there, even if we don't know the way. And so we're going to look over the next couple of weeks at the early chapters of the book of Acts. We're going to look at the early church, because they, 
the resurrection of Jesus changed everything, and they had to figure out a new way of living for which they were not prepared, or at least they didn't think they were prepared. Jesus had actually been preparing them for that, but it wasn't what they thought that he was getting them ready for. And so they had to do something totally new that no one had ever done before, that they had no map for and had to figure it out. And so that's what we're looking at. And so we're starting with the ascension of Jesus. As, uh, as Melissa shared during the children's moment, we celebrate the ascension of Jesus 40 days after Easter, which was actually last Thursday. And so we're celebrating today, but, but that took place 40 days after Jesus, after he was resurrected. And so um, in, in Acts 1-2, um, Luke writes, after his resurrection, Jesus spent 40 days giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. And so during that time, he was teaching them, he was preparing them, and he was getting them ready for what was to come. Luke continues, after his suffering, he presented himself alive to them by many convincing proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. While staying with them, he ordered them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait there for the promise of the Father. And so he's given them two instructions, wait in Jerusalem and wait for the coming of the Holy Spirit who would come, whom um, we'll see in Acts chapter 2. But he ordered them to wait. And he said, this is what you've heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And, and so after this had happened, the disciples knew that Jesus had risen, that, um, that he had been granted authority by the Father, and uh, that the Holy Spirit was coming to empower them. And so what they expected was the same thing that they had expected before his death and resurrection, that, that he was the Messiah. He was the one who was going to come in and was going to free the people of Israel from Rome, was going to drive out the, the occupying force, and then was going to assume the, the, the throne for himself and was going to drive them out. Jesus, the disciples expected Jesus to drive out the Romans and ascend the throne of Israel, but that's not what he did. And so they asked him, is this the time when you will restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said, it's not for you to know the times or periods that the Father is set by his own authority. That's, that's kind of a Jesus way of saying, I'll get to it whenever I feel like it, but you don't need to know that. And uh, he continued, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And so the disciples thought that basically they had finished, that they were done, that they were just finishing up their final lap, and whenever they got into Jerusalem, Jesus would take the throne, and, and that would be it. He would rule, and everything would be great, everything would be the way that they had always dreamed it would be, and that's not what happened. Instead of ending his mission, Jesus told his disciples that they would expand it, that they would continue on, and, and they weren't just going to stay in Jerusalem, but they would go to the ends of the earth, to places they had never been, to places they had never even dreamed of visiting. Jerusalem was not the end of their mission, it was the beginning. Jesus was doing something new, and they were a part of it, and it was something that they did not even begin to suspect. It was not anything that they expected, and it was not anything that they thought that they were prepared for, that they knew how to do. They thought that basically Jesus was finishing the race and would cross the finish line. What he was actually doing is finishing his lap and then handing the baton on to them so they could continue it. They were continuing the work of Jesus by being his witnesses, by testifying about the things that they had seen and that he had done in their midst. 
And so he told them that he drops this bombshell on them that was surprising to them. You know, I think it's one of those things. A lot of times Jesus told the disciples things. And and have you ever shared something with someone and you can tell it's not really registering? Like, you know, you're preparing them for something. You say, this is going to be really hard. And they're just like, yeah, I'm I'm sure it is, right? And you're like, okay, have fun. We'll we'll talk to you afterward. I I think that's kind of what was happening. Jesus was preparing them, but they're, okay, Jesus, whatever. You'll be the king, and then it'll all be good, but but that's not what happened. And so after he shared all that with them, whenever he said this, as they were watching, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. While he was going, and they were gazing up toward heaven, suddenly two men in white robes stood by them. And so all of a sudden, Jesus was talking to them, and he just rises up into heaven. Have you ever seen anyone rise up into heaven while you're talking to them? I, no hands raised in, in case anyone didn't want to look behind you. No, that's not a common experience. And so understandably, the disciples were just kind of standing there, just gawking, staring at where Jesus had been. And these two men, the, the angels said, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking toward heaven? This Jesus who has been taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. And so the disciples had, had experienced this amazing thing, this seeing someone ascend into heaven. And, and granted, it's Jesus, so they're probably getting used to like, normal didn't really apply to him in the same way as everybody else. But, but this was a different story entirely. So not only did their new mission exceed anything they had done before, but they had to do it without Jesus, without their guide, without their master, without their friend, the one that they had depended on, who had told them what to do and where to go and all of those things. Now they had to do it without him. Now, as we'll see, Jesus did not actually leave them alone, but he wasn't with them in the same way. They depended on his physical presence, and he was no longer physically there with him. They had just crossed a path. path. They'd crossed over a ridge and thought that they were just gazing down into a nice downhill journey, and they saw mountains. So what do we do whenever we face mountains? Whenever the landscape suddenly changes and what we thought was going to be there is, is no longer there, what we were prepared for is no longer applicable. Well, this is what the disciples did. So after all of this happened, they returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet. When they had entered the city, they went to the room upstairs where they were staying. The disciples were constantly devoting themselves to prayer. So, you know, if something like this happens to you, if you think everything's going to go one way and it goes a completely different way, there, there are two temptations that, that I can see myself giving into. One of those is, is just to go home, just to say, this is too much. This is a, a big task if Jesus were here with us and he's not, uh, no thanks, I'm going home. And they could have done that. They all had professions before they followed Jesus. They could have gone back to fishing, to tax collecting, to whatever it was, and things would have been a lot easier, but they didn't do that. They also could have said, okay, Jesus gave, a jo- gave us a job to do. We're just going to get to it, and I have no idea what it means to be as witnesses to the ends of the earth, and I don't really know where the ends of the earth are, and, and I don't really know what language they speak there, but we're just going to go, and they didn't do that either, but they waited, and they prayed. Uh, I get the sense, just as I've gotten to know many of you, that we're in a community of doers, of people who are like, all right, I see a problem, I'm going to fix that, or I'm going to tell somebody else to fix that because, you know, uh, because delegating is important. But we see a problem, and we want to get to it, we want to take action. And frequently, what happens is, whenever we're in these kinds of situations, 
where what is before us is totally different from what's behind us, the actions that we know to take are not the right actions. Frequently, what we do is what we've done before, and we just keep trying to do what we've always done. Maybe you've been there before, and and at work, your company's facing a new challenge. And so you think, well, what are we going to do? Last time we faced a challenge, we did this, and that worked pretty well, so let's try it again. And the situation's different, and that doesn't work. Or maybe you've been with a community group, and, and uh, they've got one, one tool, and, and any, whatever problem presents itself, well, that's what we're going to do, because that's what we know how to do. And so we just get into this, this kind of rut of trying harder, and whenever we just try the same thing, it, it doesn't work. Like I said earlier, the, we can't try the same thing in different situations and expect it to work in the same way. And so whenever we do that, we need to step back and wait, because I don't know about you, but my first idea is usually not my best one, right? I mean, usually the first five I need to just get out on paper and then wad it up and throw it away, and then we can start over and maybe there's hope of something that would be good. We need to take time to reflect, to realize that the situation we're in is different and ask what what really needs to be happen, what needs to happen, and what are the things that I don't know that I need to know? What are the things that I need to learn if I'm ever going to have any hope of moving forward? And so they waited and prayed. And I think it's really important the way that, that Luke says this. It wasn't just that they prayed. I, I know sometimes whenever I'm going into a new situation, it's like, well, God, I don't know what to do. Why don't you show me? And I'll wait. Take your time. And that's it. What it says is they were all united in their devotion to prayer. Not just that they prayed once and hoped that God would tell them what to do, but they poured out their hearts that they were devoting themselves to prayer, earnestly seeking God's will for them. And, and so pouring themselves out, I think that's important for us too, not just to say one prayer and, and wait, but to devote ourselves to it. The other thing the disciples did was they let go of their expectations. What they expected was that Jesus was going to physically take the throne of Israel, that he would rule from there and that everything they wanted to happen was going to happen. And it's not like they just dreamed this up and thought, this would be really nice, I, I would like for this to happen, but, but that was how people had understood the prophecies about the Messiah for hundreds of years. And so letting go of that wasn't like, well, I had this cool idea and it didn't really pan out. It was the hope that had been handed on to them from generation to generation. And then it wasn't going to take place in the way that they thought. And so they had to let go of that. Can you imagine how hard that would have been? Frequently, whenever we find ourselves in those situations, it's really hard to let go. Many people face this whenever they retire. They, they define themselves by their work. Their work is who they are. It's, it's what they're most proud of. And then they're not doing that anymore. And they, they have to ask, what, what, am I, what am I even here for? Why, why am I even here if I can't do this thing? Well, they have to recalibrate their expectations and, and let go. Letting go is often painful, but it's also necessary for us to embrace our purpose. As long as the disciples held on to the hope that Jesus was going to, to ascend the political throne of Israel, they couldn't move forward and go on the new mission that he had sent them on. And as long as we hold on to our old expectations and our old hopes about the way that things would be, we can't move forward into the future. But we can find our way in uncharted territory whenever we let go so that we can know our purpose, or, or when we know our purpose. We can find our way in uncharted territory when we know our purpose. Because we may not know the way that we get there, but we know what the destination is. We know where the place is that we're going. And so as the disciples were heading out onto this new mission, they, they didn't know what that would look like. They didn't really know what it meant to go to the ends of the earth. 
I mean, really, just pick a direction and walk, right? But they didn't know what that meant, but they knew what their purpose was. They knew what Jesus had instructed them to do. And so whenever they set out, they, they may not know exactly the way, but they would know what, what it was supposed to look like and, and what success would look like. And then if they found themselves in a place that, that, that wasn't happening, that they weren't being as witnesses, then they would know they need to change course. They need to figure it out. The reason that we're here today is because they followed that, because they followed his instructions. They went to the ends of the earth and the word spread. And 2,000 years later, we are still here because they did that. They let go of their expectations and they trusted the purpose that Jesus had given to them. They entered into an uncertain future in trust. And here we are. You know, 20 years ago, whenever the church started, I don't think Mark and Chantel knew what this was going to look like in, in 2019. Did you? They shook their heads no. They had to, at every step, they didn't know what it was going to look like. And as more people came in, they didn't know. And, and as they met uh, in other churches and, and then in schools and then built the first building and, and entered into new mission partnerships, they didn't know what that would look like, but they knew their purpose. They knew that their purpose was to help non-religious and non-active Christians become radical Christ followers. And so whatever, whatever changed, they knew that that's what they were doing. And even as, as the church has grown and as our situation has changed, Edmund doesn't look the same now as it did in 2019. And the things that worked in, in 1999 don't work today. But we still know what our purpose is. And so we can move forward. I've got to tell you, it's really exciting to be a part of a church that knows what it's here for that knows what its purpose is. I'm excited to be a part of that purpose because that purpose is an extension of the purpose that Jesus gave to those disciples. Whenever we go and help non-religious and non-active Christians become radical Christ followers, we're being his witnesses. We're sharing the good news of what's happened in our lives and then helping people to live that out in their lives as well. And so as we think about how we live this out, I, I want to give you a few action steps to live out. First, I want you to identify the areas that you're walking into uncharted territory. And maybe you know that and you just want to write that down right now, but maybe you don't. Maybe you need to think about that. But what are the areas where, where what's in front of you is nothing like what's behind you? What are the areas where you're going to have to learn something new in order to move forward? Whether that's at home, whether that's at work, whether that's here at church, whatever that might be, we have to know what those are in order to be able to go through them. Because a lot of times we, we either don't notice or we pretend not to notice, right? Like maybe if I don't look at this thing that's right here, it'll, it'll just go away. Have you ever done that? Probably not, but maybe somebody has. But, but if we don't acknowledge it, we can't adjust to it. We can't adapt so that we can follow that. So, so identifying that is absolutely vital. And then clarify the purpose of your expedition, what, what Lewis and Clark had to do was realize that the finding a, a water route to the Pacific Ocean no longer applied, that there wasn't one. And so they readjusted and realized that really what, what their purpose was was exploring the continent, was documenting that. And because of that, they were able to, to chart out maps of places that no other uh, European-American had ever explored. They were able to make scientific discoveries that, that furthered the knowledge of the day. They were able to do amazing things but they had to clarify their purpose. They had to realize what was really important. And you know, frequently we have to do this. And one of the challenging times that you have to do this if you have children is whenever they go to college. 
and uh, suddenly you're not the one who, who has to tell them that it's time to get up and go to school. This is the homework that has to get done. You have to be in this place at this time, and, and uh, you have to be home by this time, and, and what are the consequences if, if you're not? None of that. I mean, you can try to do that whenever your kid's at college, but, I mean, good luck implementing it. That, that's probably not going to work. And so if that's, what, if that's what your purpose is, is, is parenting in this specific way, it's not going to work. And you're, not gonna, you're just going to flounder because you can't do that anymore. But if you realize you have a deeper purpose, if you realize that your purpose is not telling somebody to, where to be at what time and what to do, if you realize that your purpose is helping them become the people that God created them to be, of, of helping them to, to be able to live and function and thrive in the world, then you can still do that. You're doing it in a different way than you were whenever they were at home, but you're still doing that because we don't outgrow our parents. The parenting looks different at different stages. Mike Crandall tells a story about a, a, a drill bit company, and uh, they brought in a new CEO, and um, so the new CEO gathered all of the vice presidents together and was just uh, asking them what the, what the mission of the company was, what is their purpose, and, and they went around and, and uh, you know, they all said their particular spin on it, and I think they used the phrase value added several times, and, but it always came down to drill bits, to we manufacture and, and sell drill bits. And what she said to them was, what our customers are looking for is not drill bits. They're looking for holes. They, they want to put a hole in something. And as soon as they find a better way to do that than using a drill and a drill bit, then we're out of business. And so if we're clear about why we exist, what our purpose is, then, then we can find a way even whenever everything changes. And as followers of Jesus Christ, we know that he's given us our purpose, that it's to love God with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength, and our neighbor as ourselves. So whenever we're in those different situations at work, at home, whenever um, we're dealing with family, we can ask ourselves, what does it look like for me to live out that mission in this situation? And we can become clear about our, our purpose. And then reflect, pray, and wait. Take time to reflect, to ask yourself, what is really going on? What are the things that that have changed? What are the things that, that I need to know? And, and then pray about it. Earnestly devote yourself to prayer the way that those apostles did. And then wait for the Holy Spirit. And this one's a hard one. We want to get to action, but frequently in those situations, whenever everything changes, we have to wait and see what God is doing to see what guidance we get. And as those disciples waited, they, what they realized was they had this big new mission that was unlike anything they had done before, that took them to places they had never been and seemed totally beyond their capability, what they found was that they didn't have to do it alone. But the one that Jesus had promised, the Holy Spirit would come, would empower them to do things beyond what they can imagine. That's what we're going to pick up next week. Will you pray with me? God, we thank you for your word. And we thank you for your son, that as he ascended into heaven, that he sat at the right hand of you, and that he is our Lord. And we thank you that he continues to give us guidance even whenever we have no idea where to go, even whenever we have no idea what to do. And so we pray that, that you help us to trust him, that you'd help us to follow him, that you'd help us to wait patiently during those in-between times, and that in everything, you would guide us, even as you taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, 
on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.